Great, good to see you again. For those that are watching online, um, please don't adjust your sets. It's just the pattern in my shirt. It's no, it's no interference in your TV. You know, God has a great sense of humor. Just look at us. But anyway, he has he's a great sense of humor. And, you know, I knew I was preaching today. So I've been thinking for several weeks and listening to God and seeing what he would have me do. But a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in here and God said, you wear it well. A little old-fashioned, but that's all right. And I thought, Lord, you've got to be kidding you must, Lord, you know I don't preach like that. I get a message and I lay it out and then I get inspired to put a title on. I never preach by getting a, a title first and then trying to fit a message in. So it's a wee bit consternation, getting before God, sitting before God and several ways you could have went with that. And uh, Scott messaged me on Wednesday to say, um, are you preaching anything we could, you know, sing along with that would match him with the message? And to be honest, I really didn't have the message <laughs> but by Wednesday. You know, it was just beginning to get put together. And then so I said, no, I'm preaching from, um, you wear it well, a little old-fashioned, but that's all right. <laughs> but I don't think starting with a Rod Stewart song would be ideal for Sunday morning. <laughs> but as I was honing in, you know, God put a verse in my mind, and then he said, I don't want you to preach on that, but I want you to mention it, because somebody here today needs to hear it, and it's Proverbs 22 and 28, and it says, Do not move the ancient boundaries which your fathers have set. Now, that, that's for somebody here today. You've been looking for an answer about something, and God would say, do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. But you wear it well. Now, many people's lives are, are dictated by the desire to keep up with the newest fashion. You can look at TV channels, you can hop about TV channels, and you'll find multiple shows that are dedicated and to showing people how to get in style. There's numerous magazines published about what you should wear and what you should be shopping for. And keeping up with fashion is a consuming desire for many people. And to be honest, I don't really think there's much wrong with that. I think it's, it's good to, to want to look good and to keep up um, with trends. I myself have been through several trends. <laughs> when I was a, a youngster, um, I've had my hair in so many different ways. I've had long hair. I've had feather cut hair. Maybe like Rod Stewart had at the time. I've had permed hair. I've had a skin head. I've had a suede head. I'm back to a skin head again. <laughs> but you through fashions, you wear different things. You know, you used to wear Levi's, I've said before, Levi jacket, jeans, Doc Martin boots. Looked apart, you know. My favourite era, I think, was with the Levi jeans and the Levi stay press and made to measure shirts that you bought from a, a shop in the air. You went in, you get measured, and they made shirts to suit you. So it, it's good to keep up with fashion, it's good to, to kind of look good. The church world also has its idea of proper fashion. 
and churches tend to lead to lean towards the conservative, the more modest way of dress. And we believe there are indeed biblical principles to be modest. And granted, the lines, when I look about me, are different with everybody that's here. <laughs> Everybody's got their own idea what's singing in. There's no judgment in that. That's just the way things are. But overall, the church does have an idea of the right fashion of dress. When I came to to become a Christian, first of all, when we came to church, we came to this church, not in this building, it was along in 125 Presswick Road, and the dress at the time was pinstripe suits. And we all had pinstripe suits. And there was a lot of tambourines going about at that time at all. And I remember Scott stopping everybody going, whoa, whoa. Put the tambourines down because they couldn't keep rhythm with the band for all the tambourines going at different things. So there was different fashions at the time. <laughs> it went from there to Pringle jumpers and slacks. And that was the fashions that we decided to go through. And then we've gone from there to, you wouldn't have got on this platform a while ago without a suit on and a tie. But we've gone from that to this. <laughs> and I think, I think I actually wear it well. A little old fashioned, but that's all right. But this morning, I believe that God gives us an even higher standard of fashion that we need to consider. consider. And he gives us a list of things that we need to put on through the Apostles Paul writing to the Colossian church. But it's not the kind of fashion that you'd think he'd be talking to us about. You see, while God is concerned about the way we dress our physical bodies, I believe that he's more concerned about the way we dress our spiritual bodies. So if you turn to Colossians 3 with me, and let's read the words that we can find in the third chapter, verses 8 to 14. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and put on the new self who has been renewed to true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Syrian, slave and freeman, but Christ is in all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So in this passage, Paul is giving us a list of things that we need to put on, that we need to dress our spiritual bodies with. And I want us to look at this list together this morning and with the idea of it's a strengthening of ourselves and it's a strengthening of the church. And the first of these was compassion. And the first thing that God wants us to put on is what Paul sometimes calls the bowels of mercy. I thought that was a bit dramatic, the bowels of mercy. But <laughs> I think a better way to say that is compassion. God's people are to be a compassionate people. 
And I read an article recently that talked about the reasons why the doctrine of original sin, that man is born a sinner, is wrong. Now, I disagree with that statement. I don't agree with that statement. Um, I don't agree with that doctrine at all. But among the reasons why it was supposedly false was it caused the church to have pity and compassion on the sinner instead of placing guilt on them. God forbid that we would have passion in people that don't have compassion that don't know Jesus. <laughs> I don't believe, firstly, I don't believe it's the church's job to place guilt in anyone. Yes, there is guilt and, and sin that that sinner bears, but that's realized when the Holy Spirit puts conviction in your heart and then you turn away from your ways and you turn to God and you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and then you are saved. We as Christians are to have compassion for those that don't know Jesus. That's why there's been sponsored walks and for no more slaves and stuff like that. These people in slavery, most of them will not know Jesus, but we're doing something for them anyway. After all, wasn't our Lord compassionate for them? Listen to the verses in Matthew. In Matthew 9, 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like a sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that a description of people in the world right now? They're like a sheep without a shepherd. They don't know which direction to go and they're running around mad and wild because they're without a shepherd. And 14 and 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them, and he healed the sick. He looked at them and had compassion on them, but he did something as well. He healed the sick. 15 and 32, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. He made his followers aware of that compassion. He took them aside and he told them about that compassion that he had for the multitude. And that's what God wants us to hear, that we should be having compassion for the multitude. 20 and 34, Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see, then they followed him. They received physical sight and then spiritual sight and they followed him. If we can reveal Jesus to people and they see him, they will follow him. It's about us revealing Jesus to them by having compassion on them. Where would we be without the compassion and the mercy of God? We certainly wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing on this platform this morning if it wasn't for the compassion of God. But God did have compassion on us. So we in turn need to have, be compassionate towards others. In fact, the Bible commands it. One translation of the word compassion is a deep feeling of interest. I like that. <clears throat> when was the last time you had a deep feeling of interest in a stranger? You know, we just go on with our life and we see people in the passes by and we tend not to give them a second thought. But we should have a, a deep feeling of interest and people that come away. Really being concerned with the welfare of others. And that goes totally against the grain today. The attitude today is think about my desires, my wants. And then maybe once I've got them, if I've got the energy left, 
I'll try to do something for others, even if we get that far to that zone. But we need to get out the rut of self-centeredness and start having a genuine interest in the needs of others. We need to stop being selfish and start being compassionate. We need to put on. We need to wear compassion. And we should wear it well. And it's a little old-fashioned, but that's all right. <laughs> Kindness is the second piece of clothing we are to put on as Christians. Even the times when we don't think people deserve kindness, and there are those times, I'm sure if you're honest, you'll admit that, you'll think to yourself, they don't deserve my kindness. Even then, you've still to be kind to them. And that goes hand in hand with compassion. And if we're really compassionate for someone, if we really take a genuine interest in them, then we're going to be kind to them. Do you know how inviting the atmosphere in our churches would be if we would have a kindness about us? Now, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about other churches. Because <laughs> there's kindness in this church. We're known for our kindness. We're known for our love. When people come in here and they talk about this church, I've heard them outside. That's the church where they love one another. That's the church where they care for one another. I've heard outsiders say that, and that's what we need to keep up. Everyone appreciates kind people. But in contrast, everyone is turned off by a sour and unkind person. Did you, did you know that you, you can't show Jesus to people where you've got an unkind spirit? If you've sounded off to somebody... I heard Pastor Cochran say that. I was talking about a story at one point and somebody was sounding off to somebody in a car park and Pastor Cochran says to them, I won't tell them about Jesus now. <laughs> the person knew they couldn't, you know. But kindness can win the hardest of hearts. It can win the most rebellious person over to the Lord. I remember Fairley used to say something like that years ago. Fairley, one of the older ladies that used to be in this church, died a few years ago. She used to just say that people don't need browbeat by the Bible. They just need an act of kindness. They just need people to be kind to them. And when we're kind, then we reveal Jesus. We reveal Jesus inside of us. But kindness is something that needs to not only be directed to those that don't know God, we must show kindness to those who are the body of Christ as well. You should be kind to your pastor. I'm sticking up for you this morning, Jim. You should be kind to your pastor. Some people think he only works one day a week. He's lucky if he gets one day off a week. You know, and I've been in his house when people have phoned and said, I know this is your day off, but... Be kind to your pastor and don't phone him in his day off unless you're dying or somebody else is dying. That, that makes it different. So be kind to your pastor. You need to be kind to those who have been Christians for many years and especially to those who have been Christians and saved only for a little while. You need to be kind to those that are struggling, to those who don't seem to struggle. There are those that get through Christian life and they've not got a trouble or, or it seems that way struggling. You don't want to be kind to them because you're a wee bit jealous of how it's going for them. You need to be kind to them. 
to the Sunday school teachers, parents especially, they take care of your wee, not your lovely children. <laughs> you need to be kind to them. And they're putting input into them. They're putting the love of God into them. They're putting seeds into them that's going to harvest later on in their life. I know when I was a wee boy, the things that were put into me, I remember still. You know, and it made a difference when I got to hear the gospel for real and appreciated and God showed his grace and his mercy to me. It was Sunday school teachers that put a lot of stuff into me. You need to be kind to your wife, to your husband, to your kids, to your parents. Really, you need to be kind to everyone. That's what it's about. Someone once said that no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. When I say someone, it's anonymous. You know, there's no, there's no person that can say this person quoted this. I'm quoting somebody. It's anonymous. Someone else said, I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any fellow creature, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. We only have this one life to live. Let us live in kindness to others. We must put on kindness. We must wear it well. It's a little old-fashioned, but that's all right. We also need to put on humility. About humility. What is it that Jesus said about humility? Matthew 23 and 12. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And James writes about it in James 4 and 6. And he gives grace generously. And the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. The Lord hates pride, and he cannot bless a proud person. But on the other hand, a humble person, he will bless. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, which we've been quoting numerous times this year, my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal the land. This land needs healed. This land needs healed. It's the humble that God can bless. And by the way, how can we be proud when we remember what God has saved us from? We've got nothing to be proud about when we think about what God has done for us and what he saved us from. Everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything, every talent that we have is a gift from God. Every breath we, that's like another song, every breath we take. Every breath we take is a gift from God. I'm giving you material, Scott, to finish. How can we not be humbled when we think about that? And when we truly humble ourselves and practice that humility, we will find that God can do more with us than we could ever have imagined. Paul says to put on humility. Wear it well. It's a little old-fashioned, but that's all right. I'm going to keep saying that, and you'll remember this. Gentleness. Next is gentleness. Paul says, in some instances, put on meekness. Jesus said that the meek are blessed and they're going to inherit the earth. God wants his people to be a gentle, meek people. Even with everything around us seems to be going wrong, 
we need to be gentle. And I speak to myself about that. When, when I prepare something, God's speaking to me first before I sit and stand on this platform and speak to you. Did you know there are only two people in Scripture that were referred to as gentle? And I'm sure there are many others in the Bible that were gentle, but there were only two that were referred to as gentle. And that was Moses and Jesus. They were called gentle. But look at the circumstances. Moses was the leader of a people that constantly complained. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't stand being around whiners. Folk that moan and complain all the time. But Moses was gentle, it says. Even while leading a bunch of moaners, he was gentle. And look at Jesus. He was a perfect example of gentleness. Imagine being in his shoes. He preached to fickle crowds who were more interested in miracles that he could do than they were in serving him. He was opposed by religious leaders who plotted his demise during his whole ministry. And these were the guys that were supposed to know from reading the scriptures from God that Jesus was the Messiah. And all they were concerned about was everyone's perception of them as holy men. And he was surrounded by disciples that argued about who was the greatest. All of these things would make any normal person go crazy. But through it all, Jesus remained gentle. It doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. God wants you to be gentle. Now, oftentimes, we mistake meekness and gentleness for weakness. We think that by being meek, we're joining an institution called Doormats. That stands for Dependent Organization of Really Meek and Timid Souls. I remember before I was a Christian, I was, I was about 14 at this time. And we used to go to uh, Croyshore. It was generally on a Sunday as well. Every Sunday we were in Croyshore during the summer. And I remember I was about 14, I went to the toilet at Croyshore. And when I went to the toilet, scratched up in the, the door of the toilet was Matthew 5 and 5, blessed are the meat for they shall inherit. Now, two, two thoughts came to my mind. What kind of Christian would destroy public property? <laughs> I wasn't a Christian, so I was looking at food. You know, what kind of goody two-shoes thinks it's great to destroy the council property? And there's some truth in that. So we need to watch how we present ourselves. <laughs> and the other thing is that is, what a load of nonsense. Because I was 14. The male hormones were starting to pump through my system. And then my chisnel was coming, you know. And I'm thinking, it? that's weakness. I'm never going to show myself like that. I would never. Bear in mind, I belonged to all It was brought up in all. I'd never, I would never have survived if I was going to show myself as weak and meek, you know. So, but by looking at the examples of Moses and Jesus, we can see that it takes great strength to be gentle. Meekness is not weakness. In himself, A.W. Tozer wrote this, the meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, 
but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he's weak. He is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. And this was the bit that really got me. But he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more important than the angels. Wow. In the sight of God, you are more important than the angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. Being meek is not weak, but it's being honest and humble about ourselves and gentle and patient with the people that we come in contact with. Paul tells us to wear gentleness, and we need to wear it well. So that's a little fashion, but that's all right. Fifth one, patience. Speaking of patience, that's the next thing that Paul tells us to put on, and it goes in hand, hand in hand with gentleness. Matter of fact, all these things that we're talking about are connected to each other. Now, I have to be honest, I mentioned just a minute ago that it's hard for me to have patience with whiners. Patience is one of those virtues that I really have to put some work into. My wife's agreeing with me there. The saying that patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, found seldom in women, never in a man. <laughs> it applies in our house. I know that. I know I don't have patience. Liz is more patient most of the time, but it's hard for me to stay patient. I'm not someone that likes to wait long for things, but I believe God wants us to be patient with people. Many times it's easy to start giving up on people if it takes too long for them to come to Jesus. You think to yourself, oh, I've been praying for 22 years for that person and nothing's changed. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep being patient. We forget how patient he was and is with us. We forget how long he waited for us to get over our selfishness and give our hearts to him. I remember that the times that I heard the gospel and turned my back on it, it would be hard to count. I come from a Christian family. My, my grandparents and my mum's my side and that were, were all Christian. My grandpa was a preacher. My uncle was a preacher. And the times we were invited to things, and, and again, this is a, another lesson how you invite people to things. We were invited to a concert in the town hall of Ayr. And we went and thought, oh, we'll go to a concert. So it was a kind of folk concert. It turned out it was a Christian meeting. It was a good concert, though. The band was good. It was nice, good. I liked folk music, and it was good, and enjoyed it. And then it got to the end where they, they got to the bit where you put your hands up, and you, if you want to, you sit and ask what. I was touched. God was speaking to me. God was speaking to me, and I know I should have put my hand up, but I wasn't giving them the pleasure of me putting my hand up because the trick meant to go in there. That's how twisted I could be. <laughs> but there is a lesson in inviting people. Don't, don't kid them about what they're coming to. You know, they may be aware. I mean, they'll still, they'll still come. They may be a wee bit more work. But, but the result, the outcome might be better. Patience. Speaking of patience, that was the next thing that Paul tells us. I've said that, haven't I? Um, the next thing we put on. Is love. The praise band can come back up now, Scott. 
Next thing we need to put on is love. So we need to wear patience. We need to wear it well. It's a little old-fashioned, but that's all right. Lastly, this morning, we're to put on love. Paul says, above all else, put on charity or love. And this, I believe, is what all the other things that we've talked about hinge on. Every one of these other things hinges on love. If we don't love, we're never going to have compassion. If we don't love, we won't be kind. If we don't love, we won't be humble. If we don't love, we won't be gentle. If we don't love, we won't be patient. We must put on love. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. If I could speak all the languages in earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. We must love. Someone once said Christianity is not a religion of beliefs. It's a lifestyle of love. Someone said that love is the identifying mark of Christianity. In a world of hate, envy and anger, love sticks out like a sore thumb. When you're loving somebody, people notice it. People remember it. And when they're in that point in their life that things are maybe overwhelming them and they're, they're just themselves and thinking about this creation, God, whatever, that act of love will reach them. When anyone walks away from an encounter with us, that person should be remembered and our beloved. The Bible tells us that we will be known by our love. Love is the basis for every bit of our Christian walk. If we truly love Jesus, then we will follow him and we'll obey him. If we truly love our neighbor, then we'll do what's right by them. We'll have compassion on them, we'll be patient with them, we'll be kind to them, put on love. The question I want to ask you this morning is this, are you dressing right? Are you dressing right this morning? Have you got all your clothes on? Are you wearing them well? They might be a little old-fashioned, but God says, that's all right. That's what he expects. Amen. I don't know everybody here. Uh, I've not seen everybody here. And I, I believe God would ask me to give somebody the opportunity of accepting Jesus as a Lord and Savior and coming into the body of Christ. If you're here today and you've been touched by what you've heard about Jesus, something of God has been revealed to you today and you want to accept Jesus into your heart and become part of his body, part of his greater church, then it's simple. All you have to do is ask him into your life, ask him into your heart. And I used to think that was too easy, but it really is that simple. So every, every eye closed and head bowed. If, if you're here today and you would like to invite Jesus into your life, into your heart, then just raise your hand. I won't label this too long. I just feel I need to do it, and that's that's me being obedient to God. If you're here today and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, 
Just raise your hand and I'll see you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Scott.